Hello, everyone. I'm Dan Whedon, streaming live on Whedon Unleashed Facebook page. And importantly, this is episode number 11 of Unleashed the Podcast. And for those of you who are watching right now or soon to watch, you know that I'm always live streaming when I have a fascinating, interesting guest. And I do today, and I'm going to inter introduce Phil Tyler to you in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, I want to let everybody know this is Unleashed the Podcast, episode number 11. And listen, you do not want to miss any of these podcast episodes. The best way to do that is you can go to some of your favorite places where ubiquitous uh, where podcasts are. You can subscribe to Unleashed the Podcast on Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and now, I just got noticed, Amazon Music. I've hit the big time. You can find me on Amazon. Uh, or you can just keep watching me here. You go to danweeden.com or unleashedthepodcast.com. Enough of that nonsense. I've got a good friend of mine here uh, that I want to introduce to you, Phil Tyler. Phil, how you doing? I am doing wonderful, Dan. Thanks for asking. You, you know, Phil, this is interesting. My last guest was also named Phil, so I've got back-to-back -back Phils going. There must be something in the in the water or in the air. Well, for, hopefully it's not smoke any longer. No, yeah, the smoke. In fact, you can see the smoke. <laughs> for those of you who are on the live stream, you can see the picture of me playing golf in the smoke at Chambers Bay a couple of weeks ago. That's all gone. Let me introduce you. Let me tell you why I really, really want to have Phil Tyler on this show. So Phil lives in Spokane, other side of the state from me, lives in Spokane, father of, whoops, just clicked off wrong place, sorry that, father of two boys, uh, sadly, his middle son lost to suicide. And I want to I touch on that a little bit because Phil has been very active in that regard. Uh, Phil's an Air Force veteran. Thank you for your service. Served there as a law enforcement specialist. 16-year veteran of the Spokane County Sheriff's Office in the jail division where he was the first African-American promoted to the ranks of sergeant and lieutenant. Again, thank you for your service. Uh, he achieved the status of certified public official in 2014 and was a recipient of the FBI, is that LIDA or L, do you, do you spell it Lita. out? LIDA Trilogy Award. Uh, he might tell us what that is at some point. <laughs> uh, he is the past president of the Spokane NAACP and currently works as crime prevention and education officer, campus security and public safety at Gonzaga University. Phil Tyler, that is quite a resume. Welcome <laughs> to the show. I, I, it, it is an honor to be here, Dan. Uh, I listen. Uh, I obviously am a Dan Whedon supporter. Oh, uh, good. Signed by I'm Captain happy, Jack as well. I, I'm there. And Cap, well, you know what? Captain Jack is currently here and um, he's asleep, but I'm sure he'll wake up once he hears you. Listen, uh, before we dive into some important issues, uh, at your Gonzaga, is that correct? Correct. Do you do you ever get a chance? Nobody's there listening, by the way. Ever get a chance to sneak in and watch a little bit of basketball practice? Uh, we're campus security. We get to go wherever we choose to. You you get to go where? <laughs> see, there. <laughs> yeah. No, their, their practices are kind of off limits to us. They're, they're, oh, even their practice. Mark, Coach Mark Few does not want uh, anybody checking out what uh, the Bulldogs are doing. Right. That's right. 
So listen, I uh, Phil, I think is 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 somebody who is important in a conversation that's going on in our country right now. I, I've been friends with Facebook on Phil for on Facebook with Phil for a while, and he had a really interesting two minute video that he put out a couple of weeks ago. And he talked about explicit and implicit bias. And it really started out as a conversation about what the NBA and, and other professional sports athletes were doing in regards to trying to bring attention to, to some of the real racial justice and equality challenges we've been having. Phil, I'd like to lead off. Can you talk a little bit about why you why you made that two minute video? It was very raw. It was very real. Uh, what compelled you to do that? And talk a little bit about uh, the topic. Yeah, sure, uh, Dan. Thank you for asking. You know, uh, we've been we've been stuck indoors um, because of this pandemic, and with the with the reemergence of sports, giving us all something to to connect to. You know, sports is supposed to be that venue. Um, that connects all people, regardless of their race, ethnicity, background, class, etc. cetera. Um, but online and in the public media, you kept hearing comments about these rich and entitled players making commentary about politics uh, in the game. And depending on what side of the political ideology you fell along, you were either for it or against it. My, right. my plea was this. Yes, they are rich and yes, they are entitled. But the, both of those things are embedded in our American society. And let me let me tell you what I mean by that, Dan. Rich because their God-given talents allowed them to capitalize on capitalism and to then monetize their great talents, i.e. allowing them to be rich. They're entitled uh, to their opinion because the First Amendment of the Constitution allows all of its citizens to have freedom of speech to right. seek redress for grievances from the government. So if you are truly an American, if you are truly a patriot, you would believe in the ability for these players to voice their opinion, whether you agree with it or not. And if not, then you're not really concerned with their inalienable rights. You're concerned with alienating the other. You know, and I thought that was really, I'm glad you led right up to the point that, that caught my attention the most. And it's interesting. I, I've been a sports fan since, I, I can't, you know, I remember 1973 in the Miami Dolphins. That's, that was my first sports team. There's this thing that I keep hearing, just, just play sports. Just, just play sports. Uh, we don't, you don't need to say anything. And I start wondering, well, wait a second. <laughs> they're humans. They're, they're citizens. Uh, they're just like anybody else that has a career. And in fact, these athletes uh, really aren't, I mean, while they probably technically work for somebody, they're, they're all their own brand. They're all taking a, a huge risk. They're all taking a huge risk in doing this. I, I really liked how you talked about them really taking that, that opportunity to step up because not everybody has that platform. Absolutely. Yeah, and 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 I would I would I would give a little pushback on whether they're taking a risk or not, Dan. Because in your previous podcast with Betsy, and her last mm -hmm. name escapes me, if That's you're enjoyable. losing, if you're losing those individuals who don't appreciate you speaking up and speaking to what your true values are, then you probably didn't want them as customers, associates, right. and friends, etc. So, Agreed. you know, 
players, whether they're basketball players, baseball players, hockey or football, they have to understand their why. Why did they get into professional sports? Obviously to, to create a career out of that. But a lot of them, that was their only opportunity to get out of a bad situation they were in. And then they were going to then model for others through their actions and words, uh, what it was to, to truly be an American and able to, to ascend to your own agency, whatever that looks like. So let's take a, let's maybe even just take a step back to what brought us to this point. One of the things that I find really interesting about you, you're, you're an Air Force uh, veteran and law enforcement for 16 years at, at the sheriff's office, you're still doing security and law enforcement. And unfortunately, as we even, you know, just the other day, I uh, hear more about what's going on in, in the Breonna Taylor situation, and it sparked more, more violence and, and, and protests, most of them peaceful, but some not. You have an interesting perspective of both law enforcement and being an African-American male. Can you talk a little bit, and I'm not even sure how, what the right question to ask you is, but can you talk a little bit about that, those, that statement that I just made and how you individually are feeling during all of this? Yeah, so it's a unique time, particularly for, for Black males who are in the profession of law enforcement, corrections, um, even um, attorneys. You know, we have to... to really walk that um, um, both sides of the fence. You know, I'm a, I'm a father, as you alluded to, uh, of two sons. My, my oldest is passed now uh, by suicide, but I had to give that talk to my sons yeah. where, you know, my friends at the county in Spokane County who were white males did not have to give that talk. And the talk for those that don't know is telling our sons, how to act when they go out in public, what to wear, where to be. If you're in a group of three or more, you know, don't put your hoodie up, keep your hands at 10 and two. You know, and when I had that talk, my friends at the county would say to me, why were you doing that, Phil? They all know the deputies and officers. And I acknowledge that. And my sons acknowledge that. But I didn't want to be that father that for, but for one mistake, I get that call in the middle of the night. But I also have told my sons, you know, and raised them, you are not your profession, right? Dan Whedon is who Dan Whedon is offside the Facebook live streams uh, and outside of Chambers Bay. It is not the cardigan you wear or the polo you wear. It is who you are internally. So when, when a black man puts on the uniform, the badge, the shield, the star of whatever agency, he not only represents that department, but he also represents his people. Of black people. And we have to really delineate that uh, when we're doing our duties. We do it to the best of our abilities, just like we want our white brothers and sisters to do, but we don't do it with any bias, even though we may bring our own internal implicit bias to the uh, profession. But it's a unique experience because once you take that uniform off, and it's occurred with me, I can be walking down the street with my two sons late at night, we both have our sweatshirts and hoodies on, and a, a, a white individual can come walking down the street on the opposite side of the street and clutch her purse tightly in her arms. And my son would look and we'd look at each other and we'd have a chuckle, not knowing that I was a lieutenant with the Spokane County Sheriff's right. Office at the time. Um, so you, you battled this uh, WEBD voice called a double consciousness, who you are as a person and what image society has foisted upon you based on what they see in, in the public or in the media. So, you know, one of the, 
one of the, the biggest aha moments I've had since March, since, uh, since George Floyd's murder, has been in an educational point, but, but, but it really has come down to, I have to realize that as a white male in the United States, I've, I've had privilege. Uh, I've had privilege that women of any color don't have. I've had privilege that my, my black brothers have not had. That doesn't mean I haven't worked hard. That doesn't mean I haven't earned what I've gotten, but I've gotten I got more opportunity. I believe that. And what you just said about um, kind of that perspective, one of my great friends is a neighbor of mine who said, you know, when I walk into any place to go shopping, whether it's the grocery store or someplace else, you're always aware that you're being watched. Sure. And I've never had to, to deal with that. What, how do you explain or how would you answer somebody as saying uh, white, white privilege is not a real thing? Yeah, there's a very simple uh, explanation to that, Dan. I'm glad you asked the question. Um, white privilege doesn't mean a, a negative uh, connotation. It doesn't mean it's a pejorative um, to my, my white brothers and sisters. What it means is the rights that you're afforded never had to be adjudicated at the Supreme Court. If you have a right and it never had to be adjudicated at the Supreme Court, you have privilege, meaning uh, your wife had to have the right to vote yes. affirmed in the right. Constitution. We had to have the right to become citizens. Our Native American brothers and sisters had to have the right to become citizens. Asian Americans, uh, you go on down the line, our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. Right. If the rights that you were afforded as an American were not adjudicated at the Supreme Court or via amendment, you have privilege. It's as simple as that. You know what? I've never heard it put that way. So thank you. I, I appreciate that very much because that's a really very simple way of, of outlining that. And again, for, for my, my fellow white males, that doesn't mean we haven't worked hard and that doesn't mean that we haven't had to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, but it's an acknowledgement. I think this is an important thing. It's an acknowledgement that We've, we've been pretty fortunate and that others, this is the big part, have not. And there there's needs to be that opportunity. So let me ask you this. I mean, I could talk, I might have to have you back on again. I can talk <laughs> about this for a long time. Coming from a standpoint of having been and being law enforcement and seeing what's going on, is there, what's the answer? Uh, because at some level, we're still fighting this, the, you know, as I look back on the, you know, the 60s, even though I was very young and don't remember it, you look, all you have to do is kind of look at, we're still seeming to have these issues. Yeah. What is the answer? I, I think the answer starts with this, Dan, uh, communication uh, and connectedness. Um, because when we don't have that communication and connectedness, then we get fear. Fear begets hate. Hate begets this violence right, that we're seeing uh, in the streets. But if I get to know you through connection and conversation, Dan, it's like the handshake, right? And once we interlock that handshake, it's hard to break free of that. Yeah. But if we don't have that connection and, and handshake, it creates the bald fist, the clenched fist. And Indira Gandhi said, you can't shake hands with a clenched fist. So it starts with communication. And really, um, from my standpoint, it starts from saying, if Dan and Phil are going to have a conversation, Dan may make some miss, missteps in his communications. 
I give him grace for that. I don't say, Dan called me Negro versus Black or African-American, you're racist. That's not what we do. That's not how you get connectedness. You have to allow space for that. I might say to Dan, I thought all white people knew how to golf. And to you, right. that might sound a little bit biased or discriminatory, right. right? When I got to Washington State, I believed all bald white men were skinheads. That was my ignorance and my prejudice until I learned that they weren't. Yeah. And I have some wonderful friends who are bald, like me, uh, who are white <laughs> men that obviously aren't racist or biased. So right. it starts with communication like we're doing today, Dan, and connection. Uh, that builds a relationship. It tears down the walls of fear and being unknown, and it doesn't lead to hate. So you're optimistic. I have to be. If, if I'm not uh, optimistic and resilient, this is what got us through as a people for 401 years, um, I would be locked in my room somewhere or, or in a bunker somewhere, uh, knowing that the world can't change. We have to have hope that the world can change and be optimistic. You calling me on a show like this uh, shows that we have an opportunity and we can be optimistic about uh, making those changes. So on, on my podcast, I like to talk about the intersection of business and life. We've been really talking a lot about life. Uh, you're, you're a business person as well. You know, sure. you're, you, you, you do that as well. What are some things that businesses, and I really, as when I, I spoke to Brianna Ryan about this, when we had the gender neutral language, uh, I, I think that the larger businesses, all, they all have their diversity and inclusion committees and whether they're working or not, that's up to them. But small businesses, especially in a time of a pandemic and dealing with everything they've been dealing with, what are some small steps that you can see from this standpoint that businesses can take on to add more diversity to their group, to be open to that, to think about it, and to try to take some of that bias, whether they even realized it was there or not? What are some things that, that they can do? Wow. I would first start with diversity itself. Now, um, I, I don't believe that uh, diversity is the answer. And what I mean by that, Dan, is if you are simply looking to, to fill a quota or check a box, right. your company won't sustain that. That's not right. genuineness. What we want is genuineness. And genuineness is what, what is born out of time, consistent behavior. What we really need is cultural competence. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to necessarily employ a person of color, but you have to listen to their stories and what it is that resonates with them to, to then um, understand what then is the next step. That may mean you do need a, a person of, of color on your team. That may mean you need a person that's a millennial on your team to help you forward. That may mean you need Dan Jose Whedon on your right, team to right. help you grow exponentially and unleash your leadership. Um, but don't just go for the numbers. Uh, because if you go for the numbers and you're not doing it in a Noah's Ark type of way, what I mean by that is if you hire just one black person, one Asian American, I'm still going to be in the midst of all majority white and I won't still feel a level of comfort. If you're going to do it, bring another where you're really saying your, uh, your, your, your agency values in my department and I want you to feel comfortable as a whole person. But more importantly, recognize that, that social justice is interwoven with all that we do, whether it be personal or professional. And social justice, all that means is you want every individual you come in contact with or walks through your door or who is a customer to have full and equitable participation in this enterprise, this entity. Fantastic. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so if you can do that, 
you know, you are gaining so much more uh, and you're foregrounding your business and rooting it in that social justice. And you don't have to name it. Sometimes people have problems with labels and names. Right. Uh, um, but if you're doing that ahead of the game and recognizing that internally, it really makes all the difference. Don't shoot for numbers, shoot for knowledge. So listen, I, we're, we're going to, to kind of fade to, fade to black on this one, but listen, I want, I want to, I want number one, I want to make sure you can come back again. Cause I'd like to have more conversations on this. Also know there's some other really important issues that you're passionate about and we didn't get to today that I'd like. So would you, would you make a commitment right here, right now, 345 on, on my, my granddaughter's birthday. She's three years old today uh, that you'll come back and, and do another podcast episode with me. Absolutely. Good. Hey, listen, if anybody wants to chat with you about this or learn more about you, is there a way to, to get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. They can link with me on Facebook. I've got an open public page there. It's just under my name. Uh, they can reach me on Twitter uh, at PTLT. LT no longer means lieutenant. I'm no longer with the department. It means let's talk. So let's talk. Ah, you know what? We're not, we're going to get connected on Twitter. I'm on Facebook with you. I didn't know you were on Twitter. I'm going to have to check that out. So, yes, sir. For, so, hey, thank you, Phil. Deep, deep thank you for having the start of this conversation. We'll talk some more. Uh, listen, everybody else, if you like listening to guests like Phil Tyler and the others that I've had, like Phil Simchich and Betsy Jordan and, and, and Brianna Ryan and, and Dean Robinson, all that, you need to subscribe to Unleash the Podcast. You can do, go to unleashthepodcast.com, uh, go to one of the, uh, the, the many places that uh, you can subscribe to and do it. So for right now, uh, thanks to Phil Tyler for thanks to Phil Tyler for joining us. Uh, until the next one, please go out there, be safe, be well, and above all, be unleashed. Mm -hmm.